This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Jason Roundsville here, joined by my co-host Dylan Ray, and we have with us host of the game tv we have matt jennings with us today matt welcome how y'all fellas doing man doing good i i detect a little bit of a uh little bit of an accent there are you from montana no sir we're uh, from <laughs> la uh lower alabama down La-, this way. <laughs> LA, lower alabama i like that yes sir yeah, both capitals <laughs> okay so Alabama, how far is that from, oh, I guess that's not Alabama. I guess that was Georgia. How far are you from, from Booger Bottom, Georgia? Uh, Probably, I'd say three, four hours, maybe, give or take some. Okay, so uh, not too far. No, sure, ever, not too far at all. Have you ever been there? No, sure. I've been through there, but I've never, you know, just actually went to go, I guess you would say. Okay. I I had not, I had not really heard of it. Actually, I'd never heard of it until uh, Michael Waddell came on and was talking about it. And, you know, knowing him, he likes to play around. So at first, I kind of thought he was messing with us. Joking. Yeah. (laughs) I think everybody did, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, well, uh, that's good. So three or four hours from there. And uh, tell us a little bit about you, Matt. What do you like to do? Uh, Well, I'm Matt Jennings. I'm from originally from Woodland, Alabama big city you roll through it and you sneeze at the same time you miss the whole you know the whole joint um one stop sign one store just uh, grew up in a small little country town and um loved to hunt and fish and and just really anything outdoors in general 
Um, love to mess around with old cars every now and then. My daddy runs one of the biggest body shops, I guess, in our county. And uh, just really been blessed, man, and took a dream and turned it in reality. And, and when Dylan asked me to come on here, I've always – I got some deer in the Pope and Young, and I appreciate y'all having me on here, man. It's an honor, and I'm tickled to be a part of it. That's awesome. I, I heard you chase some whitetails. Is that true? Well, I catch them. I don't chase them. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. I love it. That's that's one thing. That I've never been a obsessive type person, but that's one thing I'm absolutely eat up with is, is chasing them whitetail deer. Nice. Now, how many states did you get to hit this season? Uh. I think I went to eight states. That's pretty good. If I'm not mistaken. And, All right. Uh, eight or nine. And and you and you caught a deer in each one? Uh caught a deer in <laughs> seven of them. Seven out of eight. That's not too bad. It would have yes, been sir. nine, but I blew the whole deal on Oklahoma. Sorry, Matt. Yeah. Dylan dropped yeah. the ball on that one, but it's okay. We'll let it slide. He's gonna make it up down the road. You know, yes, sir. He, he keeps saying that. I'm still waiting for the invite, but you know, we'll see. Oh, you too. Goes. You too, huh? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I'm so, glad I ain't the only one then. No, you know, there's some of them guys are big talkers and then other guys just go out and hunt eight states. So yeah, that's, that's right. okay. I got, I got to justify myself here. I got to <laughs> justify myself here. Here it comes. Here we, we go. All right. Testify. Jason. Let me get, hold deal. on. Hold on. Let me get my pen and paper out. Cause I want to write this down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we Matt, we got it recorded. We're good, man. Okay, okay, go ahead. We'll, I just we'll need get, this for my filing cabinet. Yeah, we'll get you a transcript, no problem. We uh, we were gonna head to South Oklahoma, shoot some deer and some pigs. Uh, I have a good friend who's an outfitter down there, and he was like, "Yeah, you boys, come on, let's have fun." And uh, and then he calls me back, and he's like, "Hey, man, I just got picked up to be." some financial advisor like in the military and he's like so now i gotta travel for this stuff and i'm like no way so i blew the deal on oklahoma my outfitter backed out on me but i'm gonna find us a lease down there that way we can all just go and enjoy shooting pigs and deer all right yeah i've got some uh i've got some roots in oklahoma i think that's where my people are originally from so, so oklahoma? i'm good to go back there Sweet. Oklahoma, man, it's fun. I hunted it uh not this season, but the past season. And I will say it was very gamey and we uh we had a lot of success out there. We hunted in a blizzard. I think we had like eight inches of snow on the ground. It was I've never hunted in nothing like it. And uh we had a ball and ended up tagging two bucks and shot a few does in a matter of a short period of time. And I can't wait to get back to Oklahoma. It's pretty fun. You know what's crazy? We were talking about Oregon and, and Oklahoma by no means is, is Oregon. But if you're down in South Oklahoma, you've got wide open fields and then you can be in the, in the Wichita mountains and have mountains. And then you've got desert and you've got, you know, the big woods and you've got, I mean, the Kaimichi mountains with big bears in it. And I mean, within a, a, a state, it holds a lot of different hunting opportunities. Oh yes. Very, very, very diverse for sure. Because we're, we was hunting at you're like, man, ain't no deer here. You know, it's pretty much wide open. You got a little bit here and a little bit there. You know, you put a little salt and pepper on the ground and then sun guns, you see more deer than you like, where do these sun guns come from? You know, type deal. And, yeah. No, I like, I like, I like Oklahoma just because I live 16 miles from the border. <laughs> and so I've got a property that literally butts up the Southern, the Southern border of my lease is Oklahoma. 
So I can jump a, a, a little, a little, a little tractor path and be hunting Oklahoma and essentially be hunting the same property. Uh, and, and then you get two more bucks. And so I really enjoy Oklahoma just because, I mean, I can be there in 20 minutes to hunt. So get to hunt out of state. And, uh, now you just picked up a, a, a lease or an outfit or something and you get to hunt three States, don't you, Matt? Yeah, I'm actually part, uh, part business owner in that and a leasing company with it also. Um, soggy bottom boy outfitters, um, out of Pulaski, um, Illinois is our base camp east side. Um, we got a giant lodge there, um, sleeps 20 people. Everybody's got their own bathroom and shower. So it's not no cluster in the morning because y'all boys ever been to an outfitter, you know how that is. The family got two bathrooms and you got 10 boys in camp, you know, it can get, get hairy quick. And, Especially uh, if it was chilly night the night before. You ain't lying, son. You ain't lying, you know, and you, and that goes a long way because we try to, you know, to meet everybody's accommodations and we offer deer, ducks and turkey and we got property. Literally, we got our, my partner, H, he owns 1200 acres in Illinois right behind the lodge. Then we got several lease properties around there and then you can, go out of the driveway, drive 15 minutes and hang a left and hit one bridge and be in Kentucky in 20 minutes or not hit the left and keep going straight and you can be in Missouri in 15 minutes, you know, and it's something that we can offer that, you know, I've, as many places as I've been or, you know, hunted at, that's, you don't hear that much. I've never heard it in general. And uh, it's just a perfect scenario where I can sleep in my own bed and hunt three states, you know, and, and it it saves it cuts down on a lot of travel time you know and that sounds handy dylan why don't you get something like that <coughs> i'm still waiting on the invite from matt jay oh yeah <laughs> do they have a pope and young weekend there or anything we could probably line one up boss. <laughs> hey now you're talking, I know to, the, you're talking to the right person now <laughs> excellent you know i now like I know, to... now i know where we do our baku bash at there Jason. we go Here's what we've been, we've been planning this, Matt, and it's been, the wheels have been turning, but to get ourselves and the Baku guys onto a property or onto multiple properties or, you know, one outfit and just have a weekend and see who can put down more animals, Pope and Young or the Baku guys and kind of have a hunt wars thing. Um, But we'll have to make sure you put them in the, in the doe only zone. Doe only zone. Well, that's the thing, man, up there, like everywhere is good like up every set that i've hung we run we only run for we don't run a lot of hunters because we don't want to hunt a deer out or pressure them too much and push them to the neighboring properties or so forth but we run four velvet hunters this year and in kentucky and we went uh three three for four on the first evening within the first hour and then the fourth guy he ended up uh shooting over once back at like 35 40 yards and uh the second day and uh we let him keep hunting though. Um, I was actually in bear camp, so I, I didn't even get to be there when everybody was in camp. Cause I think I was more nervous wanting them to have, you know, successful hunts. than I was up there working, doing my job in bear camp, you know, and guys was texting me and I was, you know, telling them, Hey man, you know, this is a deer you need to shoot. He's going to come from this and this and so forth. And the first guy that killed, I said, man, I said, the deer should come from your right. I said, you should shoot him at, you know, 17 to 20 yards and he texted me back 20 minutes later he said i just shot him at 19 yards exactly where you know the vicinity you said he was coming from you know and that makes you feel good that you can do that you know and help people you know 
accomplish a dream because everybody wants to shoot a velvet deer. And I can remember watching Greg Miller back in the day, you know, just he's a velvet master. And I never thought in a million years I'd be able to kill a velvet deer. And the good Lord's blessed me. I think I've killed six velvet deer. And, uh, you know, I never would have thought in a million years I'd get a chance at one, more or less six, you know. That's pretty cool. <clears throat> are any or all of those states, I know Missouri's not, are any, are, are Kentucky or Illinois draw states? Uh, the only draw really you'll have to buy um, would be uh, Illinois' shotgun for like Pulaski you put in for it just because they run out so quick because it's such a good county. And, uh, like our other our other counties like Alexandria and uh, stuff like that, usually you can buy the shotgun tags over the counter. Um, but see, just like our property behind the lodge in Pulaski, it has not been shotgun hunted in probably five, six years. There's not been a gun shot on it besides duck hunting and them deer are used to it because we meet, you know, the big river right there, the Ohio river, Mississippi river and all that stuff. And, uh, uh, when the backwaters floods, you know, it pushes everything on us and just really defines the deer down where they can go. And it's, you know, basically like shooting fish in a barrel. A.H. killed a, it's been a few years ago, but he shot a hundred and I'd say mid seventies or bigger. It was a giant. I can't remember exactly what it scored, but that same scenario happened and they had one way in, one way out, you know, and he went in the first day, had the right wind. Got two tore up, missed a deer at 18 yards, went back two days and shot him at 23 and killed him, you know. That's did he give any explanation to the whole miss at 18 yards thing? He said, I just whipped it, man. I was tore up from the floor up. Well, there you go. At least he, you know, it was uh oh, he, he admitted, yeah. yeah, he oh yeah, what no, he didn't, you know, he didn't make no excuses. That's one thing, you know. You know, anything can happen when you're shooting a bow at an animal. You know, you can prepare our train all year long, but once you squeeze that trigger from point A to point B, anything can happen. And yeah. uh, he just straight up said, man, I whipped it. It was my fault. I screwed that deal all up, you know. And it usually happens on the biggest deer you know of your life when you shoot at it. So, yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's part of, it's part of why we do it with a bow. Yes, sir. Because it's not, it's not a given. It's never a given. No, I mean, 100%. Until, until you walk up on them laying there, it's never a given. Yes, sir. I agree 100%. I couldn't have said it better myself. So that's uh, – now, did you – like with the uh, with the velvet bucks that you guys are taking, have you guys – do you hear much chatter about Pope and Young now accepting velvet entries? Has that made it out into no. your no, world sir. much? Okay. No, sir. Um, we, I, or I know there for a long time, I'd ever deer that I would kill that was Pope and Young. I'd always, you know, my taxidermist down here, which he's, he's dead and gone now, but he'd always, you know, do the Pope and Young scores for me and register them in the books and so forth. And, and, um, when I killed my first velvet deer, which I didn't even know it at the time, and, uh, he was telling me, no, there wasn't allowed in there. And then there's so many big deer that get killed, you know, velvet season that, you know, it's not, wasn't allowed to go in there. So I figured it was a matter of time before all that got changed over. Well, it's, um, you know, our board made a decision, gosh, I don't know, a year and a half or so ago. And, uh, 
to allow velvet entries. And, and we've seen a really big positive response, especially from the West coast, you know, guys out chasing those early season mule deer. And um, they really like that opportunity to be able to put their stuff in. And I think, you know, my personal feeling is, is, you know what, those, those big velvet bucks deserve to be in the book, just like, just like the hard horn ones in November. So. Yeah, sure. hundred percent. Now what's your, what's your best whitetail to date? 173 and some change. All right. Now, is that your, now, now that's your big one. What would your favorite one be? What's the one that you're the most proud of? Ooh, there's several. I'm proud of every one of them. Um, but I shot a deer probably three years ago in Missouri on the stand two days before that. And, uh, there was another TV show right when I was starting out. Um, there was another guy in camp. He was filming for another show. I think it was Blitz TV. And he was hunting the same farm that I was hunting, just hunting the bottom side. And he put up a trail camera and he said, he was leaving. He said, man, he said, I got one picture of this deer. And it was a giant. And I said, okay. So that morning rolled around, I believe it was November the 7th. Same day, Stephen Tucker killed his world record because me and him's best or good buddies and uh, he was hunting that big deer we didn't realize how big that deer was at the time till after he killed it but we was sitting there and we was the only idiots to go out that morning it was a this mega thunderstorm pouring down raining and uh i'll never forget i was sitting in a millennium tree stand about 10 feet off the ground and we was sitting there and my camera guy didn't eat all the food coat McManus, and he was sitting there griping at me going man we ain't got to sit all day today do we i'm about to freeze to death we was both soaking wet and I was slouched down and I looked up at nine thirty and I just seen a rack this sway in the CRP and that deer come up out of the CRP straight downwind, walked right to me and I shot him on a mock scrape that I made the day that I hung the stand at maybe two and a half yards from me. And uh he ended up scoring one sixty eight and some change mainframe eight with a third inch or a third main beam it went like nine inches and then as soon as I shot that deer, we hadn't really done no uh b roll for that morning, so we're because it was been raining it just had quit and uh so we're scrambling you know shooting I told him I said, man, just start video and everything and uh so i'm I knocked another air done something, and I turned around and looked to my left and there's another giant 10 pointer standing 40 yards from me and i said dude i said right there's another giant and he had a tag he said give me your bow so i grabbed the big camera arm swing it around he grabs my bow from around the tree i'm right-handed but i shoot a bow left-handed he's never shot my bow a day in his life never touched it nothing and i got a 28 inch draw he's got a 26 inch draw deer walks out 35 yards and he's put a better shot on that deer than I did my deer at three yards with my own bow. And no kidding. Wow. Yes. It was pretty. We killed we killed three hundred and twenty something inches of bone that morning, you know. Uh, that's pretty, awesome. It was, pretty, it was pretty neat. What's the uh what's the one you'd like to have back where you're like, you know, where you where you didn't shoot and later you're like, you know, I should have or or where you did shoot and then you had an even bigger one to walk out. What's what's the one you'd like to have back? Well, what you just said, uh, neither or of them situations, I guess, but the one that out of the 40-something that Shrekstrad and Pope and Young that I've killed and Booner and everything else, the one deer that haunts me to this day is a deer I nicknamed Nightwalker. And uh, 
I was hunting him in Kentucky, and he probably had 10, 12-inch brow tines, probably mid-60, 70-inch deer. And the setup, if I could go back and do it again, the setup is what cost me the deer. Um, we were seeing 100 deer sitting in this bean field, and I had so many deer in between me and him, I couldn't shoot him. And uh, I drew on this deer five or six times in four days and could never get a shot off. And the seventh day, he come in. He just had shed his velvet. He walks in. He's at 50 yards, and I got a little doe in front of me. I can't shoot him. And finally, he kind of – or the, the little phone got choked or something. It starts hacking her head off, which spooked him. And it then got to the point with this deer that – at any given time, it's like, man, what's going to happen now? You know, because I didn't have a helicopter booger him. Akron fell on the blind, boogered him. A coyote come out and boogered him. And then the deer blocking me, you know, couldn't shoot him. It was just always something with this deer. And uh, finally, he come back in. He was at 48 yards. And I'm a center body mass type guy. And I rolled my dial up to 45 and put it center body mass and, and squeezed on it. and to this day, I wouldn't change a thing I did because in my head, I don't think I did nothing wrong. Um, but I learned something very valuable that day. I shot him and his head was halfway down. And uh, when I squeezed and that deer dropped on me probably 10 inches and rolled up like a dang bull coming out of a chute. And I hit him high and the air just did not penetrate at all, at all. I hit him high long and it just the way he torqued up just shut my arrow completely off from penetrating him. And, uh, and if I'd have waited, you know, another second or two seconds or, you know, outcome might've been different, but yeah. it was And, uh, that deer, he still bugs me. And I seen him later on that year with a hole in his, right in his lungs, probably two inches, you know, and uh, he was still kicking. So I didn't see him last year or this past season. I didn't see him none, and uh, but that was the one deer that that uh, that got me. I guess you would say. Yeah, sometimes you just you just like to have that one back. I didn't. I think we've all been there, Dylan. What's yours? You could have one back. Um, all of no. Um, <laughs> all of, I said all of them, Dad. Have it. You know, I've only. Oh man, just one, huh? Just one. I would actually take back shooting one. Um, if that I shot one and I knew a bigger deer was in the area, but it was last week of season and, uh, a nice buck comes in, ended up scoring, um, like one thirty one, and, uh, nice deer comes in. So I shoot him and, you know, I just had, I just had come to the point where I hadn't had a picture of this deer that I was hunting in a long time, figured somebody else hunted him. Uh, it was on that property where, um, that boarded up against Oklahoma and their rifle seasons two weeks before ours. And so I'm like, he, he went on to that property or, or across the border, Oklahoma's killed him. And, uh, and so I'd given up hope on him. I shot this deer and saw him fall, saw him drop. And I'm like, well, I'm going to sit here and just wait. Cause I have a doe tag and see if any does come out. And like 10 minutes after I shot that deer, the big deer came in at 20 yards and I was mm. like, Oh man, uh, you never want that to happen. Um, mm. but that, that would be the one time where I shot an animal 
gave up hopes on one and I wish I could take back shooting the first one, uh, to shoot the second one. But, um, yeah, that one, that one hurt just because he ended up showing up right where he's supposed to. I just, I didn't wait long enough. Yeah. You know what, we, you know what we call that Dylan, the redneck come out in you. You just, yeah. you just sent it, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> Let her rip. Let her rip, tater chip. And I actually ended up, so one of the most, one of the quotes that'll stick with me for a long time. Um, I ended up, uh, Jim Williams was at my house just the week before this, Matt, that, that he, at the time was the president of, of Pope and young. And, and I had been showing him pictures of this big deer and, uh, he's like, you know, good luck. Hope you get him. And so I texted him and, uh, and I said, I got one, but he wasn't the big one. And what I meant by that was he wasn't the one I was showing you. Um, but his response back to me was, if you shot, he's the big one. And uh, and that quote will always stick in my mind because there's so much, you know, buck shaming and, and who killed what and how does my deer compare. And, and to hear Jim Willems, who's done it all and, and, and killed absolute monsters. Monsters. And hunted all over the world. And, and uh, to hear him say that, I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, and I wasn't meaning that. I wasn't meaning I, I was displeased with the deer i shot but i'll just never forget him saying that yeah yeah it's you know it's interesting because you have there's all kinds of you know my my one if i could take back was on an elk but you know this year you know you talk about size and different things and I, i think a lot of it's your expectations you know i shot a i shot an antelope in wyoming and you know I shot this thing and, and I, it wasn't the one that I wanted when he came in and then he just stood there long enough. And I'm like, well, maybe he's bigger than I think. And I, and I took him and then I got up to him on the ground and I I was disappointed, you know, and I'm like, gosh, that's just not the one I wanted because I had higher expectations for that hunt. And then a week later I got one in, in Idaho that I was thrilled to death with. It was the biggest one that I'd got. It was a public land DIY biggest buck that I'd gotten on camera in, in a month and a half. And, and so I was just absolutely thrilled. Well, I had them, had them measured here not long ago. And the one that I was upset that I took in Wyoming was actually scored better than the one I was really super proud of in, in Idaho. And so it's, it's interesting how your, you know, your expectations kind of affect how that how your your brain processes it yeah well that just goes to show as well i I had one guy tell me one time he said know your trophy and what he meant by that was you know if you're hunting in in arkansas where you're born and raised you shoot a 110 you're happy with it and you better be happy with it now in kansas you'll let him walk um and, and what he meant you know what he means by that is is depending on what area you're in depending on how you're hunting are you hunting public land are you hunting spot and stock are you hunting over bait um, you know, deer that, that might not, might score 110 might mean more to you and be more special to you than that deer that scores 160 because you shot him over feet in Texas and you sat in a blind and waited for him to walk in. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, some of those deer coming from the Pope and Young Club, it's not always all about the number, you know? No, yeah, it's I, not. It's all, it's all about the eye of the beholder. You know, in my opinion, if, if shooting a spike gets you rocks off, I said, kill that joker. You know, you bought that tag. You spent your hard-earned money doing 
you know, doing what it took to harvest that animal. It's going to feed your family. You know, and there's so much pressure now with social media and, you know, everything else, so much bashing. And that's one thing that I hate about the industry is, you know, there's so much negativity. If you shoot something and you're happy with it, you know, that's your deal. You know, who's got the right to tell you that or give you, you know, throw salt on you for they didn't buy your tags or your license, your gas money or your corn or, you know, whatever. And uh, I think that's one thing I wish the hunting industry would would work on was support everybody, regardless if it's a hundred inch deer or a two hundred inch deer. You know, you know, and, uh, you know, Matt. I got to tell you one thing that that I'm actually very proud of and 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 excited about is you know you see that online, you see people well, and even people that go out and and take an animal and they're like, well, it wasn't you know, it's not a giant, but here's the one I you know what, be proud of it. Exactly. And, and one of the places where I've seen that, which is probably if, if you were to think from a logical standpoint, which I usually do, if you think from a logical standpoint, probably the last place that you would think the people would be happy to talk about, you know, my, you know, my three point versus their gigantic mule deer would be the Pope and Young Convention. And I can tell you right now that probably one of the proudest things for me about our convention is you can be talking to people who are being recognized for, you know, their, their third world record. And they're still interested in your hunt, even though your animal isn't in that room, you're not getting an award, but they still care enough about the hunt and about the experience and you know, the, the brotherhood or family that bow hunting can be that, that, you know, like a Jack Frost, he'll genuinely ask you, how was your season? Knowing that, you know, most people can't even hope to be in his league, let alone, you know, take some of the animals he's taken and he genuinely wants to know. And it's, so I'm that, that's something I'm very proud of with this organization, because, you know, a lot of times you know, when it comes to the books, we're about to score biggest one goes first. And, you know, at the same time, that's not all we're about. And and that's a source of pride for me. Oh yeah. Wasn't it Jack that said, wasn't it Jack that said you asked him, Jason, <clears throat> what's the next hunt you're really looking forward to? And dude had hunts lined up all over the world. And he said the next yeah. one, like, yeah, it, it was like a doe hunt and, you In know, Ohio wherever. or something. Yeah. It yeah. was like, yeah, the one I'm doing next weekend. Well, what are you doing? Well, it's just it's a doe hunt. He didn't even say just a doe hunt. And see, I I I just caught myself. But he's like, oh, it's a doe hunt. But I'm excited about it. And I'm yeah. like, that's, that's awesome. That's how you live life. <laughs> that's my right? that's that's my kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the kind of people that you want to spend time with. You want to hear, you know, some guy who tells you how good he is. Man, I just I just don't have to. You know, maybe he's good. Maybe he's just lucky. Because there's some of both out there. Oh yeah, you got to be both, ain't no doubt. Yeah, and so you know the guy who's who's genuinely you know a decent human being. That's the guy who I'm interested in. I'd like to get his opinion. I'd like to know what he thinks. The guy who's too cool for school, or what's uh, Jimmy Big Time? Um, Jimmy Big Time. <laughs> yeah, it's like I just you know, hey Jimmy, do your thing. It ain't for me. You know, and, yeah. and Jason as a as a club that has has been viewed as you know a group of elitists over the years, and 
our our crew, our our the Pope and Young crowd is is the least proud. I would. Say. I mean, they're the most humble, the most, you know. Oh, it doesn't matter what you shoot or how you shoot it. Just shoot it. Sure, I shot a world record, but just because you didn't doesn't make you any less of a hunter, you know. And yeah. uh, and and from the outside looking in, I I I I see where the perception comes from. But once you talk to these guys, and once you have conversations with these guys, and once you, I mean they're the least proud they're the least arrogant they're the least conceited they're the i mean they are all about the hunt it doesn't matter you know what you shoot yeah i i it's all about it's all about the story to them just like myself it's like y'all fellas you know you can go kill a giant but you shot a 130 that the storylines mean so much more to you and at the end of the day deep down that 130 means more to you because what all that went into the process than that big deer you know yeah it's it's interesting and it's not that they're they're not proud they're they're very proud but they're not arrogant proud they're not conceited proud right that's yeah it's it's um it's definitely neat when you're talking to people that you've heard of or you've read about or you've read their stuff and all of a sudden they're asking you about your hunt and you're like (laughs) compared to what you did this year mine's mine's pretty insignificant but not to them and it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty neat. So I, uh, I had a guy come into my basement one time and I had this, I have a wall of, of just European mounts and, and he was looking through there. He's like, man, that's a nice deer. That's a nice deer. He's like, why did you shoot that one? And that's what he said. And I said, dude, that deer on right there that you just asked me about means more than any other deer. And it's a 110 inch deer, but, um, it was my first white tail with a bow and it was in Arkansas. And that's, a, that was a giant for that area. Um, right. just a, a really good deer. And I'm like, dude, that deer, um, for the area I was hunting is much bigger than any of these other deer. And, yeah. uh, and, and some guys that they just don't get that, you know, they don't no. understand, you know, uh, who was it we were talking to, um, on, on a last episode, oh, Frank Bennett. And he said, you can't be hunting for one eighties when you, when you're in an area where there's only one tens and, uh, yeah. and that's, it goes back to just knowing your trophy, man. Absolutely. Yep. I agree a hundred percent because I come from Alabama and I know how tough it is. And you know, everybody wants to know what it scores, what it scores. But at the end of the day, most of the jokers don't really know what a legitimate score is. It takes a lot of bone to make a hundred and sixty inch deer, hundred and fifty yes, inch does. deer, hundred and forty inch deer. And the guys that I've learned that that's all they worry about, they at the end of the day, they don't know all the logistics to really what one scores and what one don't score, you know? And well, and, and, you know, you said it right there, Matt, and, and I'm going to go on record as saying this. There are two things out there. There's a number and there's a score. Yep. A score is what you can look up in the record book. You can pull it up online. You can go to the website you can go to trophy search and you can pull it up. You can say that buck scores, one sixty one and two eights, and that is a score. And then next to that, you have a number, which is you know one sixty one and and two eights, and that's the number that your you know buddy or your taxidermist or somebody else that's what they told you it was. That's not a score. A score yeah. is verified, you know. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's it's interesting to me that guys that. You know, they go watch a basketball game and they'd never walk into a basketball game and let the team tell them what the score was. Uh, you know, a score at the end of the game is going to be, you know, 72 to 65. We win. 
well, don't we want to play the game to verify that? And it's the yeah. same guys who will go out and say, oh, yeah, you know, and, and the the kicker is these 200-inch deer. If people realized how absolutely rare, especially these typicals, a 200-inch yep. typical deer is, mule deer, whitetail, whatever, if, if you look at how rare those are, and then you go to Facebook, and there's like three or four a day. And it's like, you know what? Is that a 200-inch deer or is that 196? 196 is great, but that ain't 200. Exactly. You, know, you walk into Walmart and that, that TV is 200 bucks. You hand them 196.50. Guess what? It ain't going to make the cut. <laughs> you know, yeah. You didn't make it. You came close, but you didn't make it. So you know what? You go buy a TV that's 196.50. And that's still a great TV. So, I, yep. you know. And it's not just hunters. It's definitely not just bow hunters. It's it's fishermen, and and you see that, and you see people that, you know, I have, um, you know, photos can be so deceiving, because I've had a legitimate. I think it was a two o two buck, um, and it, it was hanging in my office for a while, and uh, and this thing, in the pictures that I saw, it it looks okay, and then in person, it's just ridiculously impressive it's tall it's wide it's just a stud of a mule deer and then you know you see some of these other ones and, and these photos look huge and then you see it in person you're like that's is that the same deer and they're like oh yeah and it's like man you have a really good photographer <laughs> what happened to it you know <laughs> yeah yeah. Or Jason, like, on the flip side of that, people are are, oh, I don't I don't like Pope and Young. They're all about the score. I don't like Pope and Young. But then they'll ask you, what's your deer score? Oh, or every say, time. Or they'll say oh, my yeah, deer 100%. scored 140. And you're like, wait a minute. If you if you're so against Pope and Young, why are you using our, our scoring system? Right. Yeah. That's well, it's just it, like when I shot my big deer in Kansas, the last thing on my mind was scoring that deer. Could have cared less. I knew it was a big deer, biggest deer I ever killed in my life with a bow. And I knew it was big, but, but that wasn't the first thing on my mind. I was more proud that I went up there and accomplished what I went to go do, you know, and outsmarted him at his own game when the whole block was trying to hunt him, you know. And that meant more to me than what the deer scored. And after 100 people call you and want to know, man, what did he score? What did he score? Then you finally, you know, break down and score it, a rough score, you know. But that's – it gets to the point where who cares, you know, yeah. if you want to score them, score them. If you don't, don't worry about it. You know, it's yeah. yours. Be proud of it. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you can be proud of it regardless of the number. And, and I can't tell you how many times we have had, like, like we had a, the, the Mel Johnson buck current world record at a show at an archery show. And we'd have people walk up and say, oh, yeah, I got a couple like that. I'm like, you know, and what you want to say is, no, you don't. You don't have yeah. anything like this. You're, you're, but you can't, you know, you just have to say, oh, yeah. Well, what, what they score? Well, you know, you know, 202. And I'm like, great. Let's look. I got the book right here. Let's look it up. Well, I never entered it. I don't really believe in scores. Well, you, you what know you what you're scoring it for. Right. <laughs> So, so you don't believe in scores, but you believe in made up numbers. I'm like, okay. And it's, you know, and, and I say that and it's, it's amazing because we've got the best measures out there and you know what? They still sometimes, even though they're official measures, 
occasionally, man, there'll be a math error or some other thing, um, you know, that, that we have to catch when it comes through the system. So I, I think people don't realize exactly what it takes to get a certified official score. It's not just what's on the paper. It's still got to go through a whole nother review process. And if yep. you haven't gone through that process, it's a number. It is not a score. It ain't official to us official. That's right. So, and I just, I, I see a lot of folks like that. And, you know, I, I was talking to a very, very accomplished bow hunter in Utah. And, uh, you know, he has a clothing company. And, and so I just asked him, I said, Hey man, when are you ever going to shoot any? And I know he's killed big stuff. Like, like he's got a bear that's probably close to the top 10. And I said, Hey, you, you ever going to kill anything big enough to make this book? <laughs> Dang, just no salt on him. <laughs> you know, and it's just, you know, and it's just one of those things where it's, he's, you know, in the past, he, you know, he just, he didn't like that we we didn't allow and this goes back in the day because it's been fixed but back in the day it was a let off thing you know if you had 60 percent let off you're fine 80 percent, we wouldn't take it well you know that's been a long long time ago and sometimes you just have to get over that so it's yeah. uh it's interesting but occasionally if i know somebody then i get to call them out so i like that you get the buster balls in you ain't worried about it <laughs> yeah yeah so what's what's your next big project you're looking at matt I know oh, a lot, man. lot of irons um, in the fire yes sir i do um which i'd get bored if i didn't um i'm thinking about making the move or i hadn't went public with it yet so i won't charge y'all for this by no means but 2023 i'm gonna start running uh pursuit channel and instead of all the, which I've been doing really good on the digital side, I feel like I've kind of, kind of conquered that to extent and, uh, really happy where I'm at, but I don't want to get stuck where I'm at because, you know, you can never is never enough, you know? And, um, so I'm going to make the move and which I'm still going to make it where I can still run all the digital stuff. And, uh, I'm going to make the move 2023 to pursuit channel and run 26 weeks and then run pursuit up. And that's was my five-year goal and I done it in three. So I'm pretty excited about that. Kind of nervous about it, but, uh, I got some of the best, best sponsors in the world that take really good care of me. And I want them to, you know, I want to take them as far as possible, make them products look the best on the market, which most of them are. And, uh, just do a little something, you know, keep it, keep it changed up and try to get a little bigger and a little better, you know? That's awesome, man. Congratulations. That's a big step. I appreciate it. And then we're going to start know? a turkey series this year. Um, we're going to try to do a six part, uh, turkey series. I'm still trying to think of a snazzy name for the spring edition. Um, we're going to start in Florida next week and going to hit a few different other States. And I'm uh, pretty excited about that. Cause I've, I've always been known as the big game side of stuff. And that's always been my bread and butter, but, I love chasing turkeys, but I'd rather be fishing during the springtime. But turkeys has got a soft spot for me, so I'm gonna, we're going to chase some long beards this, this spring and get it all out on the digital platforms and so forth. And going to try to nice. do like a two-week turnaround so it's immediate while it's going on and uh, be something different, you know, just stick toe in the water, see see how it goes. That's good. Well, hey, if, if you're ever short a cameraman, just let me know because then you could grab the camera and I'll shoot. 
There you go. Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Every field producer that's about row with me, I've doubled up with four of them. That's awesome. And, and, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not greedy. Um, I want them to have, you know, just as much fun and cause I know how hard they work and, you know, I want to give them as much exposure and so forth. And uh, I don't mind picking that camera up cause I can, I love running the camera just as much as I love squeezing that trigger. So it don't bother me whatsoever. Yeah, I, I don't mind running the camera up until the time I have to make the choice between running a camera or pulling a trigger. In <laughs> yep, which case, it's not it's not even a choice for me. That camera that camera hits the floor pretty fast. Yeah, yep, no that's why I don't sell film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the redneck comes out in you like, oh well, in frame. I'm shooting him anyway. Oh yeah, uh, I've I've done that on a lot of bird hunts. Where it's like, man, here's this beautiful flock of whatever setting up coming right into the spread and all of a sudden the camera hits the bottom of the blind <laughs> yeah time to go to work boys yeah i uh one time i was filming for a show and steer comes out and i asked my cameraman i said i was already at full draw and he said are you on him he said no and as soon as i heard the word come out of his mouth i shot he said i said i wasn't <laughs> on him i said i know but i had a shot yeah <laughs> you know i was on the camera for a buddy of mine one time and and for whatever reason it was i was on this this little buck but it was completely out of focus and so <laughs> when he said he says are you on him i'm like yep and you can see as soon as i said yep that frame came into focus and you just saw this arrow go through this buck the mule kick the whole nine yards and i got it all but it was just man it was just dumb luck because that's awesome it just happened i mean you can hear on the video yawning Yep, and it's when I say yep, <laughs> yeah, it's still completely fuzzy when I say yep. So I just just got lucky. Oh man, that's kind of the way it went down in Texas this year. We went down there to a new place, and we was covered up in deer, and all of a sudden this big gnarly tall lake comes in, and he's we're sitting in one of them one eighty uh, ground blinds, and he's so close to the blind, I'm at full draw, and David, he's filming my buddy out of Ohio, and uh, and I held that bow for probably that bear bow for two minutes or more, and like it done got to the point where the the deer's so close, the blinds cutting him off, and where we had it set up, and you hear me on the second angle camera and the big camera, I'm like, you killing me, and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm like, well, pick the tripod up, do something, I can't hold this joker no more, you know. And uh, I ended up shooting that deer at like five yards, and and it was it was pretty neat. But yeah, it gets hairy on them camera situations. People don't realize how much it takes to actually put a show together, quality wise. Like it's a it's a whole different realm. Like everything's got to go your way. The stars has got to line up, and you got to have a little bit of lady luck on your side too. Yeah, it definitely doesn't help to have a little luck on your side. Yeah, five yards. Is that the closest you shot? No, sir. The buck? next day, the next day, I actually shot one at three yards <laughs> out of the ground blind I put up that day. And this hot doe, she was in the area. And I tried, I drew on the deer one time. He was like 56 yards and he kind of lunged after her and they went behind us. And I was like, well, they're going to probably smell us more than likely. And I kind of looked back and we was in that 360 bull and that thing is that's the first time i ever hunted out one and it was if i hadn't if we hadn't been hunting out of it 
we'd have got caught with her pants down, you know, and I looked back and I was like, man, she's coming right to us. And literally she walked at the very back of the blind and come around us where I could have reached out and touched her. And uh, David, he was ready. I was ready already at full draw. And that, that buck come by us and at two, three yards and I ripped him and he ran probably 50 yards and died. And that was, that was pretty cool. And if we hadn't have been sitting in one of those ground blinds where I could see what was going on behind me, you know, we'd, I wouldn't have been ready for him when he got caught, you know. Right. And, uh, but that was – and doing it on the ground, too, it was pretty neat. I've never shot one that close sitting on the ground. That's cool. It'll nice. be a good episode. I'm excited to get everything in final production and start airing stuff in July. So that'll be a good hunt for sure. Now, do you do a lot of the the editing and that part? Is that is that you? No, you that? no sir. Flip, no, sir. No, sir. I'm a redneck. I punch a keyboard one finger at a time, buddy. <laughs> I got, a, I'd say, one of the best producers in the business, Hunter Phelps. Um, he does all my post-production and for the networks and everything else. Um, I call him my, my little goat because he's a, he's a bad son gun. Running the camera, he films a bunch for Levi Morgan and uh, some other real big names in the industry. And me and him kind of started at the same time. And he started a year before I did. And me and him's been, he's like a brother to me. And uh, he does all my post-production work. And usually he can do one and I don't even have to proof it. Uh, he's, me and him's on we can read each other pretty good and we've been working together so long. He knows my style and what I like and, and usually we can knock it out pretty quick, you know, and uh, very, very, very fortunate, very blessed to have a good, good guy on the back end of production because I've learned if you shoot a, if you have a show and you know, the best, best video in the world and it ain't put together right, guess what? It's a mediocre show. And then I've learned if it's halfway shot and you got a, a good post-production guy, you can make that mediocre show into a dang good, you know? Yeah, and for sure. I like my stuff to be, I'm OCD. I like it to be as best as, as best as I can, you know, make it. And, uh, I don't, I'm real competitive and if it's not the best, I don't want to do it. And, uh, and that's what we've strived for. And that's, I think that's a lot of the reason I've been very blessed in this industry. And, uh, but we try to turn out the best stuff we can. Excellent. Well, I, I look forward to, to seeing some continued uh, success from your area. It sounds like it's, it's on its way for sure. I appreciate um, it, buddy. You know, Matt, one of the things that we ask every guest on this show is when you find yourself you know, up in a tree or in a ground blind or, or chasing turkeys, what's one thing kind of a non-traditional item that you find that, that you can't live without when you're out in the woods? I'd say my little handy Bible. I usually keep one of them uh, with me. So on downtime, I'll read a few pages here and there, you know, and sometimes uh, it's good to do that. And then when you look up, there's your shooter buck standing there and, kind of caught you you know while you was doing something else you know it helps pass the time by gotcha that's uh dylan was that yours i know we had somebody else that said yeah i said that um somebody else said that too oh jeff danker said that um okay. but yeah i always keep a bible and always my big one that i said was <clears throat> was chapstick Okay, yeah, Carmax, Carmax, yeah, that's a must. <laughs> Especially in the Midwest and Kansas out there where you live at, that wind gets pretty brutal. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you what, the, the way way some of you guys are, are shooting these whitetails, maybe I need to go find me a Bible. 
So just go get you one of those <laughs> new bare bows, brother. That's all you need. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yes, sir. They you so know. smooth. All thing you gotta do is pull it back and shoot it, and you're good. That's that. It must be something. I'm I'm actually, you know, I've I've started years ago. I started with a bow, and I and it was 80 pounds. Just you know, because I was young and and dumb and could. And then I kind of went back down to that, you know, 68 to 70 pound range. And, and this year I wanted to dial it up just a little bit, you know, get a little flatter shooting and a little more penetration. And, and so I went back up to 80 and man, I'm blowing through stuff to the point. I, I shot a javelina a week ago and, you know, I shot him at I don't know 35 yards and my arrow went 85 yards past him the other way. If it hadn't been for these other guys, I'd have never found it. And that happened to, you know, an antelope and some other, it's so, you know, I'm, that's awesome. I mean, I've said for, for years and years and I got buddies who'll back me up. I say they, they can never be too dead, but you know, I'm almost wondering if I need to just, just back it off just a little bit. Well, it's like this. I ain't going to say the other people, but other bows I've shot in the past or worked for, um, when I started shooting bear, I learned, I've always shot for a drop, you know, I always take at least three to five yards off my shot because, you know, usually the animal's going to drop three to five inches. And uh, I would say with the bears that I've been shooting, I had to mentally not shoot for a drop because every animal I've shot hasn't dropped an inch, you know. And the first two that I shot, I was like, oh, man, that was, that was close, you know, type deal. Then I had to go practice on some does to, to get you know well it might have been just a coinky dink you know type deal but every animal that i shot this year and uh last year like they're so quick and quiet with all the technology they've come out with you know i had to reconstruct my whole mental mindset on that shot to where i didn't need to shoot for a drop and that yeah. a mess with because i've been doing it so long you know and uh, but it's neat and it's crazy how just like you said, you know, the technology and everything with these bows, man, I mean, you're pretty much just got a rifle in your hands. Only thing you got to do is, you know, just pull that back, you know, instead of just squeezing off on it. Yeah. It's, um, I, I appreciate the technology mm-hmm. and it goes, you know, from the bows and I, and I've seen a change on everything from the bows, the arrows, you know, these broadheads, I mean, the whole nine yards, it's, it's really it's come a long ways in the 30 years I've been around it. Yeah, sure. It makes our jobs a whole lot easier for yeah. sure. So, well, that's good. Well, Matt, once again, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you jumping on with us and, and spending some time talking bow hunting and uh, can't wait to see your, your next entry and, and some of them field photos rolling in. Thank you, sir. I appreciate y'all's time and thank you for having me on, man. You bet.